It's Monday, 10 a.m. We're learning the Sicha Tazria Gimel and Chelek Yudzayin. And we're learning in the Schos of Rafua Shalema for Harab Yosef Yitzhak Ben Sima Chasia. Mina Pasuk Kol Yimei Asher Hanegaboy. If you have a Chomish handy, I'm just going to read the entire Pasuk. It's Pasuk Mem Vav in Perak Yud Gimel in Parshas Tazria. And the full Pasuk reads, Kol all the days in which the skin eruption is on him, him being the Mitzayrah, the person stricken with leprosy, Yitma, he will be Tame, he will be ritually impure. Tame who? He is unclean. Badad Yeshev, he should dwell alone. Where should he dwell alone? Michutz Lamachane Meshavai. His dwelling, his domicile, will be outside of the encampment. And Rashi explains that outside of the encampment in, includes also the fact that even outside of the encampment, uh, where there are other types of people stricken with various types of impurity of Tuma, but he, the Mitzayra, the leper, has to dwell alone. So <clears throat> regarding this pasuk, the Rebbe says, And what is the halacha of a leper that enters into the house of a friend or an acquaintance? So the Mishnah teaches, that the vessels within this tent that the leper walks into or the house or the domicile, uh, become immediately ritually impure. But Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, Rabbi Yehuda opines, Im shoha haner, that this only occurs if the leper was in the tent for as long as it takes to light a candle. And Meforshim, the commentators explain, Bedas Rabbi Yehuda, what is Rabbi Yehuda saying? Demairi, he is saying, that this is the case, that if the leper goes in to the house, the tent of his friend, his acquaintance, without prior permission. If he enters with permission, if he is welcomed in, if he is invited in, then the kalim become tame, the vessels become tame immediately. But if he entered uh, by surprise, just stopped by, he wasn't, he wasn't welcomed and he wasn't invited in, then the vessels that are in the tent do not become ritually impure immediately, but rather only after the time that it would take to light a candle. <clears throat> the Hab explains this chicane. If he entered the house with the permission of the owner of the house, then then even Rabbi Yehuda would agree that as soon as he enters, because he has been invited, because it was with permission, then his very entrance um, signaled that that house has become his domicile, his Moisha, the place where he is dwelling, and therefore, as soon as he comes in there, the kalim become tummy. <clears throat> but if, like I said, he stopped by by surprise, or he just 
came by um, without being invited, then Rabbi Yehuda says, the Kalim don't become Tameh until after he spends a certain amount of time in that place. How long would it be? As long as it takes to light a candle. And because we're talking about somebody who came by without an explicit invitation, therefore, Therefore, the owner of the home has a certain amount of time. The Mishnah says it's the amount of time it would take to light a candle in order <clears throat> to send the Mitzorah away from the house. It wasn't a simple thing to have a Mitzorah come under your roof because then it would mean that your kalim would become Tameh and you would have to deal with purifying them and the food that's in them and, and, and there are many, many complications. So there's a, <clears throat> let's just say, a reprieve, uh, a lag time that's granted to the owner of the house to be able to muster <laughs> whatever it takes to, take, to tell this Mitzorah, I'm sorry, but you're not welcome here. But if he spends that amount of time and he did not leave, then this friend's or this acquaintance's home becomes the Moshav, it becomes the domicile, it becomes the dwelling place of the leper. Because after this increment of time has passed, and if the balabayas, the owner, did not tell him to kindly leave, then the implication is that it's with the permission of the owner, and the kalim that are in the house become tummy. And why is this lag time provided by the Mishnah? Because let's say somebody stops by and you're in the middle of doing something, you're in the middle of a chore. And so therefore you're distracted or you're concentrating on something else, you're busy. And therefore, as when you saw this person, you didn't immediately say, please, my friend, <laughs> Please leave. I can't afford to have a mitzera under my under my my roof, because he was doing something else. So the Mishnah gives him this reprieve. And because this person is busy, for instance, he's lighting his candles. So the fact that the mitzera spends more than a second or a minute under his roof doesn't imply that he's there with rishus. Because the person is busy, so they didn't yet tell him to leave. And therefore, before you can pronounce the kalim that are found in that house, in that tent, you have to wait for this amount of time to pass. How much time? The amount of time that it would take to light candles. <clears throat> That's Aleph. Okay, so the Rebbe... Um, cited a Mishnah uh, that gives us the halacha on a pasuk in our parsha that talks about the fact that where a mitzayr will dwell, <clears throat> that that dwelling place becomes tameh. The implication is that well, the kalim become tameh, and then there are ripple effects from the fact that the kalim become tameh. But the Rebbe brings out a Mishnah that says 
that if the person came with with permission, yeah, then then everything becomes tummy right away. But if the person was not explicitly invited, but they stopped by, then there is a increment of time before which we say that the kalim are of necessity tummy. How long is that time? As long as it would take to light candles, because we have to give the owner of the house time to to gather his, her thoughts and tell this person to please leave. And maybe this person is busy with something, for instance, like lighting candles, bays. So this is something that the Rebbe teaches us over and over and over again, that everything in Torah is exquisitely precise. And therefore, if the Mishnah uses this example, for instance, that the person is busy lighting candles, then this is instructive. We shouldn't just be like, oh, okay, whatever. You know, the Mishnah just uses something as an example. And from the fact that the Mishnah cites this particular chore from amongst so many chores that a person might be busy with when a mitzvah or anybody else stops by in their house. And especially the Rebbe says this is true. Because it's understood that the Mishnah is using this as an example. The Mishnah is not implying, well, if you're busy lighting candles, then you get this time lag. Then you get this reprieve. But if you're busy making a salad and you don't tell the leper to leave right away, no, then this halacha is not working. No, the Rebbe says this is a placeholder for any other type of thing with which you may be busy. But the Mishnah specifically chose lighting candles. And the Rush tells us this explicitly in his commentary on the Mishnah. He says, A person could be busy with lighting a candle or with some other chore. And there's more. When would a person be lighting candles? When would they be busy with this particular chore? Presumably only when it's dark outside. But the halacha, that from the time that a leper comes into your tent, unannounced and uninvited, until when your kalim become ritually impure, is this time of how long it takes to light a candle. And this is true during the day as well. And this is true because of a notion known as there are a lot of things in halacha that the Chachamim formulate in a certain way in order not to create changes from what we are accustomed to. Why? Because every time you make a change, it can throw us for a loop and it could cause other problems that come as a result of the fact that you change things. So there are a lot of things in halacha that the answer is loy plug. Because we do it normally this way, that's why we also do it that way at other times. An example that comes to mind is that we cover our eyes on Yom Tiv when we light candles, mishum loy plug. Even though the reason that we cover our eyes when we light candles on Shabbos doesn't apply to Yom Tiv, but the Chachamim regeze that mishum loy plug. So the Rebbe says, this especially underscores that the Mishnah citing this particular chore is teaching us something 
important and something specific. Move on, so it's understood. So the upshot of this is the Rebbe says that there has to be a conceptual link. There has to be something integral that connects the general halacha about a mitzvah and how much time there is before the kalim become tameh, and the fact that you might be busy with lighting candles. And the Rebbe says that my father, my teacher, commented on this, in his commentary, um, in his exposition, on this Mishnah, and my father taught that that the notion of a domicile, the notion of a house, hints at, it alludes to the Indian of Malchus. Malchus is about sovereignty. Malchus is about expression. So your house is where the most authentic expression of the self manifests. Because in your house, you don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to wow anybody. You don't have to woo anybody. You could just be you. And the Shekhinah, which is Hashem's resting, as it were, is is correlated with Malchus. And my father taught the Rebbe said, Vesivas Tumas Mitzerahi. And why does Seiras come upon a house, Kabbalistically? Mitzadistalkus or Hachachma. When the light of Chachma, of wisdom, dissipates, when it leaves, that's when you get impurity. So the light of Chachma, you could say, is, is the idea of focus and understanding of why this domicile is, why this house is. And, and the Rebbe brings down from Lukuti Torah that Chachma is what vivifies a person, which is why a Mitzayra, who, according to Kabbalah, is the inning of lacking chachma, lacking this focus of why there is a house, is considered uh, a dead person in some way. Baal came, and therefore, calls man, Sabal habayis, tarud badlakas and therefore, for the entirety of time that a person, the Baal habayis, the owner of the house, is busy with lighting candles, asher adlakas haner huam shachas arachachma, and lighting candles alludes to bringing, to drawing down bias. So therefore, the lighting of candles staves off the contagion that could spread from Mitzayra into the house. Okay, so Alpikabala, it's much more than just citing, you know, a chore that people might very well be busy with in those days. How many times do we flick our lights on and off on any given day? Probably lose, lose count of the hundreds of times we go into this room, we open the light, we close the light, et cetera, et cetera, right? In those days, lighting candles was something very, very common. But presumably, there were other common chores. And yet the Mishnah cites this one. And the Rebbe says, in accordance with my father's Kabbalistic understanding of this, it has to do with the fact that 
a house correlates Kabbalistically with the union of malchus, with expression, of the self, with a sovereignty, but in order for there to be purity in that expression, in order for there not to be impurity, there has to be the light of Chachma. So Kabbalistically, lighting candles alludes the idea of bringing down Chachma, Hamshachas or Chachma, and that acts as an antidote to the Tuma of Mitzayra spreading and contaminating the Kalim in the house. And we know that the purification rite of the leper is specifically through the hands of the Kohen. I mean, this is a question that's asked. Many of the Mepharshim treat this question. There's a lot of Hasidus about this question. Why couldn't it be Moshe? Why did it have to be a Kohen? Why, didn't, why couldn't it be another Chacham, etc.? And the Rebbe brings down the pasuk that says that in the beginning of the, the discussion about Mitzrayah, that he has to be brought to the Kayin initially, then the Kayin has to go after a certain amount of time and check out the Mitzrayah in the camp. Because it's specifically the Kayin that channels and brings down the effluence of Chachma. Sorry about that. And the reason that's brought for this is as follows. That the time that it takes that, that you know, the Mishnah cites the chore and it says that you have the time that it would take to light candles in order to be able to tell the Mitzvah to leave your tent. And if you don't tell them to leave your tent, then your, your Kalim become Tambe. So it's speaking about Hadlakasaner de Beishamshe. It's talking about lighting candles during the twilight hour. Hadlakas. No, I wasn't. I, I got distracted, Rifki, but I think you you missed a paragraph. Okay. Yeah, the first paragraph of Gimel. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Gimel. Thanks, Rachi. You didn't get distracted. I got distracted because the phone rang. I'd forgotten to put on do not disturb. Thanks. And regarding this concept, that the Mitzrayah does not um, cause Tuma to the Kalim in the, in, the, in the tent, in the house, until after the increment of time that it would take to light candles. So then there's a question. Maybe a few people were thinking about this because we're all women and women are sentient beings who know how to multitask. So the Rebbe says there's a question. You're saying that the owner can't tell the person to leave because they're lighting candles. What, you can't light candles and tell this person, please do me a favor, I'll meet you outside in the courtyard in five minutes, but please don't come into my house or please leave my house. Why can't you do both things at the same time? The answer that's brought for this to this question is, that the candle lighting that is being discussed here is the candle lighting that takes place during twilight hour. 
And what is that? Hadlakas ner Shabbos Kodesh. It is the lighting of candles to welcome Shabbos. Asher ba ein abalabayis yochel lahafzik al menas l'tzavos al mitzur l'tzeis min abayis. And when you're lighting Shabbos candles, you can't stop in middle. You can't be multitasking. That is not the time to tell your daughter how to put the napkins on the table, or to tell your husband where the child has to go, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because you're lighting Shabbos candles. And once this is what the Mishnah <clears throat> delineated as the Shear, so again, the Mishnah says this is the amount of time it will take. And we don't expect anybody to be dealing with the guest who's a leper, the uninvited guest that's a leper, when you're doing something else even though it's a Wednesday night and you're not lighting Shabbos candles and maybe you're busy peeling potatoes, but you still, because of loy plug, you get this increment of time with this particular, um, let's just say paradigm, where you're not expected to be multitasking. So you, you get this um, kind of time that, is yours. You're not expected to deal with the Messiah during that time, irregardless of when it is and what you're doing. But originally, the mission is talking about this happening during twilight hour on Friday night, and you're dealing with the Nehra Shabbos Kedesh, during which time we don't expect you to be doing anything else. avi <laughs> And in accordance with my father's explanation, Shatam Shir as And then, if you go according to my father's explanation, Al Pikabala, that the, the reason why this is particularly chosen as the Shir is because lighting candles alludes to the idea of bringing down the R of Chachma. And the R of Chachma can stave off, can. Um, Ma'akib, it, it it denies entry to the tuma of the mitzvah. Sarach Laimar, we must say, Shahakoyah Hamaakib is Tumas Hamitsaira, Bobikor Mitsat had lokas haner de Beshamshe. That the Koyah to be able to deny entry to Tuma comes in the main from lighting candles during twilight hour, which would mean. On Shab, for Shabbos Kodesh, Share Ikre Shalashir because the main basis for establishing this as the time frame for how much time you have before there is the natural contamination, the no longer avoidable contamination of your kalim comes from this particular thing of lighting candles on Friday. And the explanation is, The Mishnah that we're discussing is not talking about the Tuma of a Mitzrayah itself. But it's talking specifically about the Tuma of a leper that spreads to a household. And therefore, we can understand why the, the shear that's chosen by the Mishnah 
is about Hadlaka's Neris to Beishamshe, that is about Hadlaka's Neris for Shabbos Kodesh. Shekei Neris Shabbos Kodesh Nivdolim Mishar Haneris Bekach Shen Yonam Husholam Bayis. Because the lighting of Shabbos candles is distinguished from all other candles, because the reason for lighting Shabbos candles is to add in Shalom Bayis. Hey Meirim Es Habayis. They irradiate the home. So nobody will stumble on something made of wood or stone. This means they basically guard the household against unwanted um, events from happening. And so therefore, it's particularly these candles where they're distinguishing energy of bringing shalom to the house and, um, and, and hoping to avoid spiritual and physical pitfalls and, and, and things that are negative. So it makes sense that it's specifically these candles that should be able to affect uh, an antidote to the spreading of tuma. See if Dalit. Aval adayin efshal shol al kach. But the Rebbe says you could still ask. You could still push back. Sholem bayis ashal yidei ner shabbos nifal beemtzos haar gashmi. On the on the simple level, the sholem bayis that is <clears throat> brought into the home through lighting candles, happens through the agency of the physical light. And seemingly, so anytime you light a candle in the house, it doesn't have to be that you're lighting a candle connected to a particular mitzvah. It should be that anytime you light the candle, it irradiates the home. And because it radiates the home, it illuminates the home, it adds to Shalom Bayis. People are not tripping on things. They're not falling. They're not tripping over each other. They're not making a mess right after the floor was washed and so on and so forth. And if so, So what is the particular superlative characteristic of Shabbos candles over any other candles that are lit. If you could affect the same thing through any other candles that you light, so why are we why are we saying that the nearest the 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 candles that are lit for Shabbos are the ones that guard against the house being disrupted in a way that leads to the opposite of shalom, or on a deeper level, why are they dafka, the antidote to the spread, the possible contagion of tuma from, from its Sarah? You could do the same thing with candles that you light on Wednesday or Thursday or Sunday or Monday. But in truth, it's not so simple, the Rebbe says. Or stam she'ena koshul in er mitzvah. Pedestrian light illumination that's not connected to a mitzvah. You can't rely on that, that it will always 
for sure bring about peace. Why? Because because sometimes the opposite can happen from illuminating an uh, area. And what is that? Sometimes it can happen that if you bring more light into the house, you're able to see certain flaws in the person, in their behavior, in the tenua, in their like maybe body language or um, a facial expression, or maybe you're able to see a flaw in them, she efshal is ball that you that you can't take. <laughs> that once you notice it, it becomes really hard for you to be in their presence. So it's 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 dafka the illumination that can cause the opposite, the antithesis of peace. The dafka arha miti. But it's dafka, real light, true light, the light that is irradiated from mitzvahs and tayrah. The whole purpose of giving the tayrah was to bring peace into the world. Who hasiba hamitis hamivia bevados. And so this is the only light that can, with assurance, on a constant basis, bring unity and peace, otherwise known as shalom bias. See if hey. Kol ha'amor, everything said above, hu biur ha'shaychu shal ne'er shabbos kodesh le'inyam meniyas hispashtusa shal kol suk tumas ha'bayis. Everything we said above applies to the connection between Ne'er Shabbos Kodesh and the concept of trying to avoid the spread of any type of impurity in the house. <clears throat> but from the fact that this particular increment of time is cited in the Mishnah pursuant to the Tuma of a leper, move on, it's understood, that this particular type of impurity, which the Rebbe says is very, very serious. And what is the antidote for that? It's Dafka Neira Shabbos Kodesh. So there has to be a particular connection between Ne'er Shabbos Kodesh and staving off the ill effects of this particular and deep and profound type of tumor that comes from Tzairas. The Pashtos Yesh Rebbe says simply, we might say, Achas Hasibos L'Tzairas, Hiloshen Hara. One of the reasons for Tzairas is Loshen Hara. Inyan shall pirud halavavais. Lashon hara brings about the opposite of unity and the opposite of peace. It brings two hearts being alienated and disenfranchised from each other. V'lachem hatikun lekachu al yidei neir shabbos kodesh davka sheinyanam hu shalom bias, and therefore the the time that's given is davka neshek. And the whole idea of Ne'er Shabbos Kodesh is Shalom Bayes. 
והביר בזה בפנימיס הניונים, יובון בהקדים דברי חז"ל. And a deeper explanation will be understood by first prefacing with the words of the Gemara and Gemara Shabbos, where it says, Harogil Bener, Havin Le Bonim Talmidechachamim, that one who is careful with lighting Shabbos candles will merit children who are Talmidechachamim. Uperish Rashi, and Rashi explains on this, Dechsiv, as it says, that a mitzvah is a candle, Torah is light, so through the candles of the mitzvahs of Shabbos and the mitzvah of Hanukkah comes the light of Torah. From this is understood, that although when we talk about the idea of that, that of their mitzvah, we are referring to every single mitzvah. Every single mitzvah is a candle. He call mitzvah. He call mitzvah shemekayim adam mefitza arboi atzmai uba'elam shesviboi because every mitzvah that a person does adds light to the person and to the world around him. Mikol makayim, but still in all, yesh bifrat ze yisrein b'mitzvas. But in this idea that every mitzvah adds light to the person and to the world, there's a specific and unique um, additional light that comes as a result of the fact that we're dealing with a mitzvah that physically adds light. Because through those mitzvahs that are connected with shedding physical light, this gives further expression to the spiritual light that is shed by every mitzvah. With the rest of the mitzvahs, because every mitzvah is a ner, is a candle, but by the rest of the mitzvahs, we're talking about a spiritual type of light. But there is no manifest hashpa, no manifest um, illumination that you can see in the physical world from that mitzvah. But in contradistinction, when you're talking about these mitzvahs that have to do with lighting candles, um, and like like it's brought down there, the Shabbos candles and the Hanukkah candles, because in these mitzvahs there is a physical light, it's a very, very um, profound and interesting thing that the Rebbe is saying, that the reason that there could be physical light in this world from these mitzvahs is because there is a stronger spiritual light that is the antecedent for these mitzvahs. And so while it's true that every mitzvah sheds light, but these mitzvahs that have to do with physical light shed a whole different level of light. Vav. And through this, we can also understand what the Gemara says about the westernmost um, light on the on the menorah in the base of Mikdash. 
What does the Gemara say? The Gemara says about this, this was testimony. This miracle that the Western light was always illuminated, it never went out, testified to all those that came from the whole world, that Hashem's presence rests with Klal Yisrael. That it's, it's explained that that candle never went out. That was the Ner Tamid. And the Kayim, when they came to light the candles the next evening, would light from that westernmost light, use that as the starter light, light all the other candles, and then conclude with lighting that one again. Now the Rebbe says that Dilechaira ain't a move on. Seemingly, this is very hard to understand. When you talk about the base of Mikdash, you're talking about so many miracles that are happening on a regular basis. Like the Mishnah says, There were 10 miracles that happened for our forefathers in the base of Mikdash. And if so, How is this Nes different from all the other miracles. That this miracle, more than any other, should serve as exhibit A for the fact that Hashem's presence is resting with Bnei Yisrael. The Rebbe says more than this. Where was the Menorah? The Menorah was in the Heichal, in the Kodesh. And it was not in the um, like vestibule, it wasn't in the anteroom before the Kaidesh, but it was in the part that was called Kaidesh. And, and most people could not go in there. And amongst the 10 Nisim that the Mishnah lists, there were Nisim that happened in the Azara, in the courtyard, where every Yid could go, where every Yisrael could be. And there were even those miracles that happened in Yerushalayim. Like, for instance, the fact that there was room for everybody um, to stay and that Saras could not be contracted. You would think it would be the opposite. When more people come during the Shalash Regalim, then that would be the best time for a plague to spread, but it couldn't be contracted, and so on and so forth. And therefore, how you say you doing Lakol. So if a nest happened in Azara, and how much more so if a nest happened in Yerushalayim, you would think those would be more well-known, they would be more publicized, the population would all know about it, and therefore that would serve as a better indication that the Shechina share with, with Klal Yisrael. Why would you say that it was that Ness, the one about the most Western light, never being extinguished, that Nes Dafka is the one that broadcasts to the world that the Shechina is with Bnei Yisrael. The Rebbe says, but the explanation is exactly what I explained to you above. Because the godly light of the Ner Maravi came down from above and manifested here in a physical light. Unlike any of the other Nisim, 
בהארס העולם הגשמי, יוסי מאשר לשאר העניינים בהניסים של בית המקדש. Therefore, it was this miracle that had a stronger and more profound effect on the world, on the physical world, more than any of the other things, and more than any of the nisim that happened in Beis HaMikdash. V'lachain, and therefore, nezed davka hishpia upoal edos al ba'e oilam sheyakiru shashchina shayabi Yisrael. And therefore, it was this miracle that was able to influence and cause this testimony to all those of the world. And Rebbe underscores, that these are not people that are looking for godliness. But even those people could not help but see that the Shekhinah was resting with Israel. And through this, the Rebbe, you know, kind of zoomed out and elongated our field of vision so we could understand more deeply what it means, a mitzvah that is connected to light. So the Rebbe says, based on this, we have a new appreciation for the particular Maila of Neir Shabbos Kaidash. Al kol nemar, kol Rebbe already cited this, that generally speaking, about the whole Torah, it says that the Torah was given to bring peace in this world. Hainu. kol That through Torah, there is peace in the world. The world in general is a place of multiplicity and plurality and multifariousness. There's so much going on. There's so many different vibes and energies and isms and ways of understanding things. And the Torah was given to bring cohesiveness and to bring unity and to remind us that there is only one vivifying force. But the Rebbe says, but this is all in the main, this is on the spiritual level. In contradistinction, when it comes to Neshek, but what happens through the lights of the candles of Shabbos, you also see peace in a very physical, temporal way. And so this very fact proves that this mitzvah brings shalom into this world in a completely different way, with a completely different potency and strength. And to, and to bring to our attention, that this, this aphorism, this teaching, that the Torah was given to bring shalom in the world comes to us through the Rambam. And he brings it down when he speaks about the shalom bayis that comes through Neir Shabbos. And I, I just want to add that um, one of the things that could come to mind is that we could say, okay, good. In the olden days, they didn't have any artificial light. So when they would light these candles, and um, you could actually see in some very old shuls and in some museums, you could see that Ne'er Shabbos Kodesh used to be lit more in a chandelier style hanging from the ceiling than on the table. 
So it's understood that, that it brought Shalom Bayis because uh, it's never good when there's darkness. But what about today? In which way do the Ne'er Shabbos Kedush that we light, do we see in a physical way that they bring that they bring peace in the home. And the Rebbe addressed this, and the Rebbe said, because when you light candles, it brings a different, maybe we could use the word ambiance. It's a different vibe. There's a different energy. And this itself brings an Indian of Shalom into the home and sets the tone for a more peaceful, calm, um, tranquil uh, situation. Zion. So Rebbe says, okay, so now let's understand this. Let's understand more deeply that it's Davka through Ne'er Shabbos Kaidish that we see this idea that the Torah was given in order to bring peace. One of the ways of understanding this teaching that the Torah was given for the sole purpose of bringing peace into this world, is as follows. The true existence of the world is elokus, it's godliness. The whole world exists in God's thought process. Like the Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya at great length, the Altarab explains that the existence of the world occurs through the fact that the Abishter brings the world into existence again and again, every nanosecond, from the nothingness to the somethingness that we experience. It's like a incessant pulse. And every moment, the Abishter is being Mahava, the world, again and again and again. Ella. But because this vivifying pulsation operates in a form that is hidden, we don't see it. Therefore, the world is perceived by us as an autonomous self-running mechanism. Until it's possible to erroneously conclude that this castle has no owner. And this is the novelty, and this is the um, main purpose of Ner Mitzvah Tayyar. That through learning Torah and through observing mitzvahs, the existence of the world is illuminated. In a way, the Rebbe is bringing down the Medrash talks about the owner of the castle peering down intently. And when you learn Torah, when you do mitzvah, you recognize the truth. That there is an owner to this castle. Until you come to a level where you not only recognize that there is a boss, that there is an orchestrator for the symphony, 
but that you come to the level where you know that there's nothing else. There is nothing else. And this is the specificity in the words the Torah was given in order to bring or to create peace in the world. Because the Torah existed, it preceded the existence of the world. But the fact that the Torah was given, it was brought down. In this world below, and through this, you create peace between the world that obfuscates its creator, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Eibishter. That all should see and all should recognize that the world does not stand in opposition to godliness. And much more than this, that the very purpose for the existence of the world is for it to be a resting place, a dwelling place for Hashem. And how does this happen? Through the Torah and the Avoida of Klal Yisrael. Siv Ches, Omeata, and from now, Muven is Gam HaMayla Meyuchedet B'nei Roshabes Kodesh. Now we're in a position to understand even more deeply the tremendous and the very special Mayla of Neshek. Shebehem, through them, Inyan HaSholem Ba'olem, who betoikef Yeser, that through the candles of Ne'er Shabbos Kodesh, the Shalom in the world has a whole different potency. Because as explained in Siv Zayin, what's the Shalom Ba'olam? It is the ability for us to apprehend to see, to perceive, and to recognize the truth about the existence of the world, that it is nothing other but godliness. Nifal, this is effectuated This is manifested and effectuated through, through Ne'er Shabbos Kodesh more than through any other mitzvah. And like the Zayar cites, Kiner mitzvah, my ner mitzvah, what is ner mitzvah? Duh, it is ner de Shabbos. The ner Shabbos kodesh, inyan ner mitzvah, the idea of ner mitzvah, ha'aras ha'olam, the illumination of the world, hu b'taykev yoseim ha'shabashar ha'mitzvah, is present in greater strength than by our other mitzvahs. Afilu be'elu ha'miskayim is b'ner gashmi. Okay, so first the Rebbe said that every mitzvah brings light. Then the Rebbe said specifically the mitzvahs that include a physical light. And now the Rebbe says, even among the mitzvahs that include a physical light, Ne'er Shabbos Kodesh is in its own category. The Yishleimar might say, we might even go as far as saying that that's why it's explained that what happens through Ne'er Shabbos Kadesh, there's peace in the home. How specifically? What's the Lushen that's brought down there? That a person shouldn't stumble on wood or stone. Mahu hadiuk eitz o'yeven. What's the specificity 
in the terminology regarding wood and stone. But in this lies an allusion to a pasuk in Yemiyo that says, the Jews said about a wooden statue, a wooden idol, they said, this is my father. And, and to, a, to a stone, uh, they said, you gave birth to me. You're my birth person. From the wood and from the stone came Avaitazara. The Rebbe says, and now you see the effect of Nerish Abbas Kaidish, that we shouldn't stumble into an Indian of Avaitazar Chasvashalom. Metzias ha'eitz ba'evam mitzad atzmam b'terem heimu arim alidei nere shabbos yechayla le'itim lahachshil chas v'sholom es ha'odam v'ligrim lo'i lachshav sh'yesh lohem le'eitz ala'evam chas v'sholom metzias mishalohem. The existence of physical matter. Here we're using wood and stone, but this is true about anything, any of our assets, any of the things that we own, any of the things that fill our homes, can serve as a stumbling block spiritually. We can come to vest them with importance that is not appropriate. And that's Avaitazarah. Until we come to a place of Avaitazarah. Ah, however, al asher haner mitzvah, but when you light Shabbos candles, and through this you have the pa'ula, you have the effect of ner mitzvah. And Shabbos candles, you have specifically the Indian of, and, and every mitzvah is the Indian of bringing shalom in the world. And then with, with lighting Shabbos candles, you have the physical manifestation and the revealed manifestation in the Gashmias of the world, who the boss is. Because the Shabbos candles prove or, or, or showcase that Everything in this world is being orchestrated and is being run by the owner. And the whole reason you have these assets, the whole reason you have these things, is only to serve Kedusha, to serve the Epishter. Tess. So now we're going to circle back and we are now in a, in a position to understand on a deeper level the connection between the Tara of Tumas Mitzayra and the holiness that flows from Ne'er Shabbos Kodesh. Tumas Mitzayra himihatumais hachamurais b'yoyser. The impurity that rests upon a leper is one of the most um, profound impurities listed in the Torah. And that's why circling back to the Pasuk, Pasuk Men Vav in Paragud Gimel, 
of, of our Pasha. That's why the Torah says that he has to sit alone, isolated, not only outside of the Machna, but his Moshavah, his domicile, his dwelling place has to be separate from all the other people that were sent Michutz Machna for various reasons. Yesh Lashalcha Michutz Lashlesha Machanais. You have to send him out of all three Machanais, Chania of Bnei Yisrael, Ubazegufa, and then on top of that, in within sending him out, Michutz Lamachana, Bodod Yeshev. He has to sit alone in loneliness. In order that he not infect others with his tumah, because the tumah of Mitzayra is a much more potent, profound, uh, strict tumah than the others. The place where the Mitzayra is is not just of where B'nai Yisrael encamped, but it's also beyond the encampment of all those that are sent because of various impurities. The Mitzayra is an outlier, completely outside on the outskirts of Kedusha. And what's the reason? The reason for this is because the chait, or even though we know that there are listed, a listing of 10 chatayim that bring to tzaras, but the main chait that's correlated with tzaras is lashon hara. And why is the tuma so harsh? Because the chait is chomor b'yaisar. Because the chait is a, is a very, very profound sin. Why? Because of what it causes to people. And um, the Rebbe just um, cites a few words, and I just want to go to the uh, the Rambam in order to cite a little bit more so we can understand what the Rebbe is referring to. So in Sefer Tara, in Hilchos Tumas Tzaras, um, the the Rambam explains why the the mitzvah has to be so far away from everybody, and what happens through lashon hara. And I'm not going to say the whole thing, but just a little bit. The Rambam outlines in his halachas the kind of the trajectory of leitzim, meaning of. I guess scoffers and uh, no goodness, no goodness Rishayim that sit together. Batchila Marbim Bidivre Havai. First, they talk about nonsense. They talk about nothing. And then their conversation devolves to speak in disparaging manner about Sadikim. And then from this, they come to speak lies about the Nevi'im. And from this, their conversation devolves into talking about Hashem, Rahman al-Tzlan, and denying the existence of God. So the Rebbe brings down just these last words. So the person becomes separated completely from God. So the fact that they have to be so separated, they have to go not only but they go out, like the Rebbe says, they're not even in the where the rest of the people who became impure are. 
Vilachain, and therefore, Minias his Pashtusa Shaltuma Kizu. So avoiding the spread of this type of profound tuma, how can you do that? This can only be done specifically through Neir Shabbos Kodesh. Mitzad Goidel, Hashpa Asam, Upeulasam, Agashmias Ha'elam. Because of the profound and deep effect that Neir Shabbos Kodesh have on the Gashmias of the world, the Dafka, this mitzvah, is what assures us that people will not stumble on Eitz and Evan, which we now understand alludes to an Indian of Avedah Zarech Manaslan, and therefore it is this mitzvah that can guard against the tomb of a mitzvah. In other words, <coughs> we're taught that, that how does Ne'er Shabbos Kedesh bring Shalom Bayis? Because it prevents people from stumbling over wood and stone. Then we understood that this could be understood on a deeper level that it's talking about stumbling on Avaitazara. And what is mitzah, tsaras? Tsaras is the effect of speaking Lashon Hara. And the Rambam says that speaking Lashon Hara starts with talking shtusim v'havolim. You talk about nothingness. You talk about nonsense. And then it devolves, and it can devolve, chas v'sholem, to avoy to this Indian. And what's the antidote? The antidote to this is specifically, and this is why the Mishnah brings down this particular example of what the owner of the house, the tent, might be busy with, lighting candles, lighting the candles of twilight hour, lighting the, the Shabbos candles, because only that mitzvah has the power to prevent, to stave off the contagion of this Tumah. Alpibir, and based on my, the Chepa says, on my father, my teacher's explanation, that lighting candles should be understood in the modality of the purification of the leper through the koyhein specifically, because we said the koyhein brings down the R of Chachma. And this detail too can be better understood in, in, in what the Rebbe has developed here. The Kayach of, of Neshek is not only to prevent <coughs> um, the spread of the tomb of the but it's more. But it guards the <clears throat> it guards the Caleb and it allows them to remain Tahar and to not be contaminated by the tomb of the Mitzrayah. And just like in the example of the leper that the Tara comes through the Kayin, who who Kabbalah explains is and Chasidus is Mamshich or Chachma, 
so too, to the lighting of candles in the tent, you also have the same idea of his hafcha chashrechel in hayra, of of transforming darkness into light. Sins become like merits. Hainu. This means that from a situation where the mitzayra has to stay isolated, has to dwell isolated, which serves to highlight the very, very profound lowliness of that situation. It's transformed to a status of aloneness in the positive sense. Like it says in the Torah, that we are a nation that dwell alone because we are a completely different type of nation. That there's a, a surety about the aloneness of Yaakov. You know, like we say, it's lonely on the top. It's, it's, it's not, there aren't a lot of, the, the, you're alone there. And this is Takla Sabracha. Now the Rebbe says, and the same thing is true about the darkness of Golos. And especially and specifically the doubled and redoubled darkness of this generation where you can already hear the footsteps of Mashiach. Through the light of Neshek. We will irradiate and illuminate the darkness of the Golos, and we will obviate, and more than this, we will reach the Geula and to the building of the base of Migdash, and like we have the promise that if you light Shabbos candles, you will see the lights of Zion of Yerushalayim, the Kuyim Hayyud, Hashem La'ar Olam, and we will see the fulfillment of the promise that Hashem will be the light of the world. These are words of Yeshayahu, the very darkness of the Golos will be transformed into light, the Laila Kayyim Yo'ir, like it says in Tehillim, the night will be illuminated as if it is daytime. And now <clears throat> the Rebbe um, focuses on the schosim that come from Ner Shabbos Kaidesh by Chana and Fargazim to hate next week and Kumkazim to hate, and we'll look forward to being in class after that. Yidalev. Mikol Hanal Muvan. From all of the above, it's understood. In our times, when the darkness of the world is so great and so thick, it is especially imperative. Including the communities where it was the minog that the young girls should start lighting candles only after they got married. And in those communities, they would fulfill their obligation through their mother's lighting. It's imperative that that as soon as young girls reach an age of as soon as you're able to explain to this child, to this girl, 
the understanding and the meaning of lighting Shabbos and Yom Tov candles, Tadlik Ner Ba'atzma, she shall light her own candles. Ve'oyre shall ner ha-Shabbos, yachad im ha-brocha she-tivorech olav, and the light of the Shabbos candle, along with the bracha that she will make over it, ya'ir la es chayeha, will illuminate her life. Ledas ve'leskor, she will know and she will remember, like she says in the bracha, that Hashem is the king of the world. And then we'll, we will be strengthened in the assurance that when she reaches the time to get married, then in her microcosm, in her own world, in her own life, the words of Yeshayahu, Hashem will be the light of her world, and in her tafkid, in her mission as the, the, um, the main or the anchor of her home, Tivne, Betokim, Ezbesa, Alpirats, and Havaya, Al She will erect her home on the basis of Torah and mitzvahs. Um, this, is, this is quite fascinating. And an additional reason to the imperative that every young woman light her own candle. Like we said above in Sifhei, the Gemara in Shabbos says that one who is careful with Ner Shabbos, is to sons and sons-in-law that are Talmidei Chachamim, Uvechein. B'Shanim Kadmanias, in earlier times, HaSeder HaRagil HaYoshaharim HaYokhevim Es HaShiduch HaVarabas, the parents would be the ones who facilitated the Shiduchim for, for the daughter. Umemela, Gam Kan HaIkar HaYuzuchus Ner HaShabbos Shalaim, so therefore, it was the schus of the mother Shabbos candles. So she was zeichet that her that her daughter should be married to Talmud Chacham. Avol bismaninu, but in our time, kasher mitzatziba shoynes hasedar nog v'poel hu beinim nirtzo beinim lav shees hashido avor atzma kibaz beikar habayus abas. But in our times, for reasons for different reasons, whether we want that to be the case or not. But in the main, the daughter is the one who decides on her shidduch. So we need so much more that she should light her own Shabbos candle. And the ner mitzvah that she lights will serve as a schus that she should marry Talmud Chacham. And in our days, and even in the most wonderful homes, it's not 100% assurance that the parents will have a definitive daya over their daughter when she grows up. Therefore, 
Therefore, we have to try very hard that the girls should start as early as possible. As soon as she reaches the age of that she should light a candle and her doing so will strengthen the promise of the Torah the Gadla, that she should be raised, and that she should marry a Talmud Chacham. So that's our Sicha for today. And um, I think maybe even all of us um, know that, that the, the great thing about our learning together is what we share afterwards. So anybody who wants to share, please. This is a good time. Incredible. Uh, can I ask a question? Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going through something right now. A friend of mine's daughter is pretty sick. She's four months old. And she's a Shomer Shabbos, but not Lubavitcher. And I want to ask her, like, it says, if you light Shabbos candles, you will merit. So she clearly lights Shabbos candles. Is it correct to ask her to take on another mitzvah in the merit that her granddaughter get better? Like, I don't know this. I don't know if I'm supposed to do this, if we do this. What her, don't you know? What her daughter-in-law does not light Shabbos candles. But she's the, like, she's the bubby. She's the person who keeps Shabbos. So in the merit, like in the merit of lighting Shabbos candles, your, you know, your children will, your daughter will marry a Tom and Chachem. So in the merit of her, her granddaughter is, you know, she's pretty sick. God willing, she's going to get better. But I want to tell her to take on something. So, I, I mean, I don't see why not, for sure. But I, but... What about that her daughter and her granddaughter should light candles? Well, the granddaughter's four months old. She's not doing anything. Okay, the daughter. Daughter-in-law is daughter. too immersed in this crisis to do anything right now. This is for after. Now, right now, I have, I, I um, do people do this? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. You have a relationship with her? Very close. So then for sure you have to do it. The Rabbi Shita was always, if you could do it, it means you're obligated to do it. So if you're very close to her, I mean, what could you do? You could say to Hillam, right? If she you has that, doctors, she you could facilitate meetings with new doctors. And this is for sure something. It's the only thing really that you could do that's efficacious. To tell her as a good friend, maybe, Joni, you want to say, I'm going to do something extra, but you're her grandmother. Like, I want to tell her to wear a shade to lunch office, to show her. It's enough not wearing, it's enough with the hats and enough with, with everything else. Just, it's it's time. Like, that you, you want your granddaughter to get, you have to give, you know, a, do we do this? I, I don't know. Listen, I, I think it's very important that you can't make promises. But you not. definitely could say that, 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 that this chus could become a conduit for the refuah. She wrote a letter to the rabbi. I saw someone marked it. She, she she does all. She's very connected to Chabad, but she's very reticent to, you know, to take, to do things that she doesn't feel she's ready to do. 
You don't have to be ready to, I could tell you, you, you don't, you're never ready. There's, there's a lot that the Rebbe wrote about the schus that comes to the family through a woman covering her hair very carefully, specifically with a shaitel. Um, you know, so you definitely could say that, you know, I, I feel very close to you and to your situation. And as a good friend, and as somebody who cares very much, maybe you want to consider doing this. I mean, a lot of people saw Yeshua's um, through this. Um, Rifki um, Shachet, who's a, a Sheitomacher in Toronto, um, has for years been, you know, on this mifza, and she has she could write a whole encyclopedia of stories that she has that she told women you should take on this mitzvah as chus and the Yeshua's that they saw in their life. I just, the only thing I feel is like never to make any promises. It's the same thing with mikvah. I mean, like, you know, you don't want to make any promises because we don't always see the Yeshua in a revealed way. Just um, to your point of, uh, you just mentioned Shachat, and I actually we just read an interesting story in the Mayan Council series. I don't know when it was from, but it was about the Rosh, and he was saying that, um, he went to the Rebbe and they didn't, they had two children and they, and the Rebbe said to them, why don't you have more children? And then the Rebbe gave his wife, and it's to the point of this sikha that his, the Rebbe told his wife that she should encourage as many women as she could to light Shabbos candles. And for him that he, and maybe it's also connected about being a Talmud Chacham or sharing Torah, that he should share um, a chidushe Torah or I, I don't want to misquote, but that he should share his learning. And um, and he ended up writing a book of Chidushim and she gave out so many Shabbos candles. And right after that, they were blessed with two more children. And then once again, they didn't have children for many years. And he put out another, bo- uh, another book expanding on his Chidushim and then they were blessed with twins. And he said something so beautiful at the end of it. And I thought that like, this is what made me think of it, that he said that perhaps the Rebbe saw that they, through these mitzvahs or through these um, channels, they became fitting vessels for the bracha for more children. And maybe that's really, like you say, you, you can't promise somebody we're not Hashem and we don't know what's Hashem's plan, but we through a mitzvah, we might become a channel for, tra- we change ourselves through a mitzvah. And in that way, maybe we change the reality on the ground so that a person is a, a vessel for the brachas that we're asking for. Joni, do you see in the chat, uh, Mashi wrote, does a granddaughter have a letter in the Sefer Torah? So that's another thing to ask your friend. I will. That's a, that's something that they could do. Um. Only can I just say something to you as an old lady? Um, don't think so hard, just do it because you really want to do it. You're right. I'm, I'm don't think and don't, just right. You're right. And you're, normally, normally, I have to tell you, that's normally how I act. I don't think, and then I, I, I do, yeah. and, then, and then I get into trouble. But in this I case, think, I don't think I'm going to get into thinking, trouble. Just do, just say it and see what happens. I mean, she already has a shaitel. It's not like she doesn't have it. She just doesn't wear it. She just just do it. Just do it. See, I have this to is the liberating thing about getting older. <laughs> just do it. Do it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Esther, Thank did you, you want all. to say something? Um, <laughs> what you talked about, Rifki, um, the mitzvahs, the, chlal, the mitzvahs of the women, 
lighting Shabbos candles and uh, challah and all those mitzvahs is an ace rutzen. It's a very auspicious time. Going to the mikvah, it's a very auspicious time. I, I've been involved. The miracles you see is absolutely remarkable. And actually, I don't think the mother, I don't know what your connection to the mother is, but still, they're never, they're looking for a miracle. They're looking for something. And they may not do big things, but they may do little things. So even the grandmother, for sure, if she's on that level, but the, the mother, a pushka in the, in the room of the child, and everybody should give a penny, a dollar, whatever, a, a quarter, that that ever was very um, big on. Maybe a mezuzah on the child's door can do a huge thing. I would like to tell, I can, if you have a minute, it's okay to share a story. I, I had a woman here in that I, um, she had one child and then she lost pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy, very reformed, very liberal. And I wanted to get involved. We had just come to Kent City and people said, no, she is not going to want to have anything to do with anybody Orthodox. She ends up pregnant with twins and I want to call her, but I don't and she loses it. So then I found that she's determined to have another child and everybody thinks she's crazy. So now I call her when I find out she's starting to get and I say, go to mikvah, go to mikvah and write to the devil. It's an ace the She discusses with my husband. She comes back. She says, no. So I think to myself, look, this can't be more important to me than to you. I did my part, finished. Three days later, I'm like, what's this business? I did my part. This is what the devil brought me out here for. I did my part. What? It's me to decide what? So I said to her, how about a mezuzah on the baby's door? On the, on the, on the, she, she, uh, she said, okay, a mezuzah will do, but we'll do it ourselves. I gave her all the instructions, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I had a mutual friend and uh, a month or two before she's due to have it, she says, um, the friend says to me, you know, she didn't put up the mezuzah. And I said, because she's afraid, what if it doesn't work? So I call her up. I mean, I was younger. I had much more chutzpah at that time. Today, I rethink things, think things over 15 times. But I called her up and I said, what does it mean just in case it doesn't work? If it doesn't work, you blame God. But if you didn't put it up and it doesn't work, then who do you give it a chance and write to the Rebbe? So she wrote to the Rebbe. She put up the mezuzah and she has a healthy child. This is after 10 losses. Okay, it was an, such a remarkable miracle. So you know, I can give you so many miracles that we've had here with any mitzvah. With mitzvahs, tzedakah is a huge thing. Mikvah is over the top. People that you never thought would go will go for the ace rotsen. So absolutely, find something that will talk even to the mother if there's some way you can have a connection that's directly with the child and the grandmother for sure. They will be so grateful. They will be so, because you care. You're not getting anything out of this. It means you care and you're trying. They don't know any answers. So anything. We've had such miracles. Do something, Joni. Don't do something. I'm going to get finished. What this. about an electric candlestick in the room of the child? Excellent. The mother should light that on Friday afternoon. Plus Excellent. Design. She can't be too busy to do that. Right. We, yes. Right. Excellent. Excellent. We give those out. You can get those little tea lights that are on uh, electric, not electric, on battery. Yeah, battery, yeah. They're fabulous. And you can make a brach on it. There's no um, excellent. Yeah. So I thank everybody. It's just, uh, just, you know, you get up in the morning and call your friend and then you get this crazy news and whoa, <laughs> quite know what to do with it. Okay, I'm gonna. I wrote everything down because I can't remember everything. <laughs> I'm gonna get off this uh, class and 
I'm going to call her right away and I will keep everybody informed. Thank you. I don't even know her Jewish name, believe it or not. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Maybe we would be mentioned. No, she doesn't want anybody to know. She doesn't want anyone to know. She doesn't want, she doesn't, they, they have a family tell them chat, like group, the family's doing tell them, but she doesn't want this whole, she doesn't want it. So I'm okay. not, I'm not pushing that. I'm just going to do all of this and uh, for sure a push because she could do in the baby's room. That's nothing. Put a cup and just every doctor that walks in, please give to DACA. That's like nothing. Well, and to you, it's nothing. To them, it may be really hard to do because they may find it weird and be very self-conscious about it. But if you explain to them the importance, and it might be good to give them a, a proper stucca box so they feel a little bit less no, they're, funny they're, about it. You don't want to call the Chabad rabbi. It's like, it's not so simple. They already well, have a Chabad Rebetzin dealing with them. <laughs> I'm not there. They're not here. They're not in Montreal. Oh. They're not oh. here. Because they you could place. get electric tea lights in a dollar store. I know they went on vacation. The kid got sick on vacation. You could send oh them everything, uh, you know. No, I can have the buy it and rabbi send there. It. I know where they are. I could have yeah. the Chabad rabbi deal with it, but I have to ask my friend because they're very, like they go to a reform show. Let's put it that way. Well, he could just drop it by the front desk of the hospital and ask somebody to bring it up to them. He doesn't have to go into the room or even meet them. Yeah, I'm going to call my friend now. I'm going to tell her. She just sent me a text while I was on the class and whatever. Could Johnny, you? Yeah. This woman that I told you that had lost all those pregnancies. Yeah. Everyone told me that she won't want to have anything to do with me. She is so reformed. She'll be reformed. Really? And in the end, she got an answer from the Rebbe on the pregnancy. She wrote to the Rebbe. She got a letter from the Rebbe. She, we developed a relationship. She was so grateful. When people are going through a, a difficult time like this, I mean, sure, we could make a mistake, but making a mistake out of pure, you know, help is very different. I mean, we don't have Ruch HaKadosh, we don't have divine inspiration, we can only try our best. But if you really care, it comes through. I'm going to tell the parents to write the letter. Yes. Well, wrote the letter, but the parents have to write the letter. Right. And if they can say no, that's fine, as long as you don't push it, but you're advising them. You're guiding them. You're trying your best to help. Yeah. So that, that's, don't, don't worry about. No, my friend is fine. My friend is no, fine. Even, even the mother, if you care, you're not telling her that she's doing anything wrong. You're not telling her to be different. You're not advising her and things. Oh, you ought to be doing this or ought to be doing that. You're just there to help because you care. So I, I don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> I want to wish everyone a good chaydish. And uh, we're approaching Kayach Nisan, Chavchas Nisan. And maybe uh, should hope that we should do everything that we can. The Rebbe wanted us to do every single thing that we possibly can to bring Mashiach Tzadkenu now, Mamash. You just reminded me something. Can I just say one thing? Iyar, the month of Iyar is Ani. Aleph is Ani. The two Yuds is Hashem. Yud Reifecha. I am God, your healer. This is an extremely auspicious month coming up. So, yep, Ani Hashem Rochvecha, she'll have a refuge Amen. Amen.